Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Rise and shine, sports investors. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. Thursday, June 25th. Let's cock-a-doodle-do it. This is the early line right here on SportsGrid, putting the edge for you and putting the fun in functional sports content. I'm Dane. He's Kevin. And Kevin, we have agreements or seasons. I don't know if there's agreements involved, but we do. We have crossed a horizon, right? We have crossed a threshold because as we've been talking for about two months now, Kev, I care about formal stages of progress. And we have to admit, we have that in baseball, right? The players have kind of formally agreed to the health and safety protocols and what will be a 60 game season. Now, let me stop right here because we have had a long conversation about this, Kev. We have a a fundamental piece of news. Like, we've been talking about back and forth for weeks. Mm -hmm. This seems like it's official. We are going to have Major League Baseball. It seems like they're targeting the weekend of July 24th in about a month to kick it off, that it would run mostly August and September. Um, the, the, The health and safety protocols are at least agreed to by players. And we're going to have baseball. What's your knee-jerk reaction, Kev? Yeah, I mean, they, you know, it's, it's kind of a shame that they had to use the break-the-glass option that was available to them. I think when you started to see some players vocalizing, and I, when I say some players, I mean Trevor Bauer, um, kind of vocalizing that they probably should have... You need uh, to set notifications on for his tweets, bro. Yeah, he's no, he's 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 becoming one of that list. Like you know, Woj makes the cut, Adam Schefter <laughs> makes the cut, like Trevor Bauer's about Trevor to hop Bauer. into an elite tier. I actually don't have like Jeff Passan on either. Like that's just where I'm at with baseball. Maybe Passan has to make the cut now. But there's so many baseball guys. I feel like yeah, of, of comparable levels, it'd be too many guys to put the notifications on for. But it, you know, you started to hear the players vocalize that maybe they should have taken the deal. Um, as opposed to turning it down, and, and it leaves us without the, you know, uh, DH, league-wide. Mm-hmm. Playoffs. Yeah, it, you know, it seems like they actually managed to leave some money on the table, yeah. again, for those grievances. So I, I guess, and, and maybe this is a, a bit cloudy of me, but I feel like my my initial takeaway is still that the end result here is nowhere near as good as it could have. Like, I almost feel yeah. a bit off when I should be screaming baseball is back. How exciting right. is this? Yeah, I kind of agree with you, Kev. And I go back into that, right, because the office of the commissioner imposed the season, mm-hmm. right, as opposed to one of these proposals being agreed to. And I was sort of getting excited about this DH, about this expanded playoffs, and I don't know how they're going to mesh those details, right? Because here's the thing. Honestly, I still believe that with this truncated season, they have to do something about extra innings, right? Whether they're going to do the ties, whether they're going to do the men on second base. We we still have the idea of pitchers potentially getting hurt in the National League, right? We still have this division alignment. And we've also said this is the obvious time to tinker. If you have a kind of season which people are going to believe have an asterisk on it anyway, why not do some of these things? in the lab and figure out if, you know, the public and if the the kind of old guard can handle it, I think that is a missed opportunity. Kev, I will also say this, though. Remember how I always talk about it in, like, phases of the process? Mm-hmm. Well, okay. We've, you know, put pen to paper, and that's one phase of the process, but another dirty little secret that's going to happen now before, you know, teams report wherever it is in the next few weeks is now we got to test everybody. Kev, and that's going to be an issue not only in baseball, but in the NBA, I I believe, as well. And, you know, 
we've been talking about. The Chicago, I mean, the Orlando airport tested at a 52% rate. The Clemson University Athletic Department tested at a 10% rate. Now we're going to start to hear that from teams and leagues. And just yesterday in baseball, you know, Joe Girardi, the manager of the Phillies, has come out and said multiple Phillies have tested positive for COVID-19. In Colorado, talk about a name that I think moves the needle because we've always talked about, well, will it be the All-Star? Will it be bench players? And and how would this be treated differently? Well, Charlie Blackman of the Colorado Rockies has tested positive along with some others. He is a name that moves the needle. Yeah, you know, and so I think it's good that we're gonna have baseball, but there's still another mountain to climb because we don't know if you know, 3%, 10%, 21%, or 48% of players are going to test positive, and then how ultimately we handle that. Yeah, I think this is where, again, baseball kind of messed things up, and I think you might see the effects of it in this way the most. Training camps are supposed to start in less than a week, Dane. In less yeah. than a week. They're testing now. I mean, I is about. I'm assuming that they're now going to be getting everybody tested, right? Got it, right? Yeah. And I just think that they're almost setting themselves up for a lot of athletes to potentially test positive and not even being able to take advantage of the training camp window, and that then makes us have even more variants. Like I would offer to you that of a nine-man starting lineup, each team potentially missing at least one guy from the lineup on average. Right, that's what we said if there's like a 10% rate, right? Like that's one player out of every nine, right? I actually think, to be quite honest, it's going to be higher. (laughs) You know, I mean, I think it could be even, like if it's double that, Kev, then it's one of every starting five in a basketball team also. You know what I mean? If you look at just straight ratios of it all, right? And so that is definitely going to be an issue. Can I ask you something? And I know it's going to go right into this thing about comparing baseball and basketball that we have been doing. But when you say this is a fear for baseball, why is it not also a fear for basketball, Kev? Basketball's window, they've just provided themselves a larger window. So if someone tests positive, you think 14 days later they'll still be okay and can ultimately be in the season? And Yeah, I mean, I I believe— Sets them behind, though, in the training camp, the fear of the injuries, the groin pills, all that stuff? It it could. It could. I also think that those eight games that the NBA has as far as the regular season, I think more and more we might find out that those are more ramp-up than— if for, for a lot of teams that maybe okay. we thought. And I think that that's another, again, another window, probably about a two-week window that's provided to them. And I think they're supposed to show up on campus maybe almost three weeks before like first, those I first eight games are going to be getting underway. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I just – and I – But I mean, I when think, you think about it, right, like the baseball season, the dates we've gotten, I believe, are like July 24th. That's a month away. So someone who's positive right now is – cleared by then. And the NBA, I believe, I hear is starting right around the very end of July, the very end of August. Isn't that a similar time frame from the pure standpoint of if you are positive now, you should be over it by the time real games start? Well, and that's where the whole symptomatic versus asymptomatic stuff okay. is going to be interesting to see how they handle that. I guess my, my, my point, maybe more so with the baseball thing is, so July 1st, right, would be the start date. And then on the 24th, they're going to be playing real yeah. games, right? Yeah. Where for, Three weeks the, for the NBA, they have the ninth as the first time that they get to the bubble. But they're also going to be having training. I think they might be having some training camps and things like that in their own facilities to right. lead up. Could be off base here. I'd have to assume they're going to be testing as those guys come into the facilities, sure. right? And I think that's a point for them to catch it. Then they're supposed to show up to Orlando July 9th. The yeah. games aren't supposed to be until July 30th. That's the same window that okay. Major League Baseball is providing itself. But then there's also that eight-game stretch that the importance level. Now, yes, for the Blazers, the Pelicans, the right, Wizards, right, right. right? But I think for those other teams, I think for basketball, for most of these teams, 
I believe it's like August 15th-ish, where that NBA season is supposed to start for the playoffs. After the eight, after the eight games yeah. and the play-in tournaments if needed. I think they're hopeful that by then they yeah. will have gotten past kind of whatever it might be. I just think – and I think that's a much different time frame. Yeah, here's the problem. Like, I'll, I'll bet you right now, Kevin, mm. that in both sports – Someone will test positive on August 2nd. <laughs> you know, someone I, will test positive on July 28th. You know, it's just the sheer math of it, you know, and the bubble's not going to be a 100% solution in basketball. You know, some, we've talked about this before, staff coming in and out, they're going to keep testing. Like, there's going to be positive cases all over the place. And, you know, they're going to have to build into their process, whether it's the isolation hotel, the quarantine, what have you. It's going to happen, you know, to think we're going to be scot-free, I think yeah. would be, you know, wishful thinking. I think, and I think that's totally fair. And again, and I think that a lot of the reason that we do compare baseball and basketball right now is they're going off at the same time. Right, and same I tracks. Feel like the NHL had this big reveal and we're still like waiting right. for that's the Right, that's another question, thing. right? Like, but that's like it a got whole, out there, but yeah. then we haven't heard Jack for, at this point, almost a month, right? Yeah. And so here's my thing, Kev. Where's your confidence about the NHL? Because we haven't heard anything. I, I a five, like just dead even, bang average. I don't know. Like I think that's. But the thing with they're like yeah, narrowing down their cities. That's all I've heard. Right. Yeah. I think they. I saw like they were up to like six hub cities that right. they're trying to figure out. Like, all right. I don't know. Is that good or bad? Um. The thing with the NBA is they have their bubble, and while the bubble isn't perfect, right? It. <laughs> from what we would understand is better than traveling to Tampa Bay, then back to New York, then to Boston, then back to New York, then back to Tampa Bay, then to- You're right. And it's better for that reason, right? I do think there's pros and cons though, okay? And the, and the con would be the idea of then isolation for a longer period of time for the family aspect of it all. Right. At least when you're traveling from region to region in baseball and what football expects to do. Right. As opposed to what the MLS, the NBA and what we believe the NHL is planning on doing there. You have the push and pull of I might be isolated from my family. And if I make the playoffs and continue in the playoffs for three, four months. Right. So I do think there's pros and cons to either approach. Right. The bubble may be um, safer for public health, but players may not want to be away for three, four months. Whereas in traveling, you have that travel risk and state by state with their curves, but there's a little bit more freedom involved. And that's kind of the essential push and push and pull in this in this society right now, right? Safety versus freedom. Yeah, I, I think there's a chance that, you know, if we get, you know, again, mid-season pop-ups is what you're talking about. Yeah. Wouldn't shock me if the playoffs they went for a bubble approach. Yeah, I mean baseball. I, everything is on the table, right? The, and football as well. You know, remember Fauci was like, ah, they might need a bubble. And so I think right now there are two approaches, right? The bubble approach and the like stay in your home market and try to minimize travel approach. And we'll see because no one knows what the hell they are doing. But we do and we're off and running right here on the early line. I sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com welcome back into the early line here on sports grid i'm dane east kevin and we have a 60 game major league baseball season you know, Kev, we've been talking about this in so many ways, right? We've been like, what? Like, everyone's going to be in it. What about a trading deadline? We, we, we've said, oh, my goodness, what about these stats that are batting average? Is someone going to hit for 400? Is someone going to throw to a sub-1 ERA? And, you know, one of the things I noticed along with this, Kev, is our friends at FanDuel have, in fact, 
taken down those bets that say, you know, we needed 75 games or more for this to happen. So on FanDuel, they're only hanging the World Series and they're only hanging the pennants, okay? Remember, they used to have the win percentages up, but that was 75 games or more. That has been removed. People like uh, things like the MVP or the Cy Young. Now, someone can get hot. You talked about this, right? Could a closer be dominant enough to win the Cy Young? If someone only has like 11 starts and has an amazing stretch, right? Does that provide so much variance? FanDuel has taken those bets down. So let me try to paint a silver lining here for you, Kev. Mm. With this 60-game season, I think there's a universe where it becomes a hell of a lot more exciting than your normal baseball season, okay? We talk about the marathon, right? And how each game doesn't kind of matter as much. You're a big NBA fan. Remember the NBA lockout seasons in like 99 when it was only a 50-game season and the more importance of those? The other thing I think about here, Kev, and we talked about this with pitchers with innings limits, you know, and things like that. Like, these guys are going to be able to give max effort for 60 games, right, as opposed to pacing themselves, a pitcher, over 30 to 35 starts. They know they're only making 10, right? So could they go max effort the whole time? Um, I wonder, are you know, as we've evolved and human performance just gets better, right, and games are more high leverage and more intense, I wonder that 162 games is no longer the right number for, you know, mo the, the 21st century athlete who goes all the time to play anyway. You know, maybe we are pushing the boundaries of human performance in terms of the, the length of the season. I actually think we may get max effort and an exciting 60-game sprint. Is that feasible? Am I crazy? You are not crazy. You are correct. Ah. This is going to be, I think, a difficult pill for baseball to swallow. Ah. They're going to realize that their format is so absolutely. outdated. Yep. So outdated. The thing is, right, people are always going to be trying to catch the NFL. And what people have to accept is that you can't. That's right. Why? Not in this country, at least. <laughs> it's because there's 16 games per team. Right. Major League Baseball slaps a two on the back of that number. 106. You have 10 times the game. Yeah, the boys of summer, you know, the marathon. That's what it is. And also, there's another saying, the dog days of summer, right, Kev? And that's when, you know, hearing comments. What's that? Yeah. Like, that's not something that, let's say, is like, yeah, this is a struggle to get through. Right. Like, like your sport is known for being a struggle. That's what I'm saying. Through. But that's going to be very different in 2020. I totally agree. I agree. I think we are set up for a very exciting baseball season. Right. And if, let the kids play bat flip away. You know what I mean? Oh, my gosh. Okay. First of all, yes. Everyone should be able to bat flip. The pitchers need to grow up. You're but all that. Children. Mike up the outfielders. Give me some extra yeah. stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah, and, and like give them a feed where, like, Pete Alonzo can curse. Like, I'll watch the the PG-13 feed or whatever it is. Angles, right? Give me body cams on the catcher or something. I don't care. Because there's no fans in the stands, make the at-home viewing experience different and enhanced. And I, but I think they will be enhanced from the simple fact that if you get out, out of the gate, right, first 20 games, usually that's eh, whatever. All of a sudden, you're seven and thirteen, right? Oh man, that's a little tough start. Games out, <laughs> right? Like, and it's it's gonna be, but everybody's gonna be in the race, exactly. Is, and you could argue that we may never see another 162 game season for Major League Baseball because you never see the the pitchers hit in the National League again, right? You know? Because the next year, maybe they try and go condensed schedule, maybe right. depending on how things go. I the question that they would need to ask themselves is if now again, right. The it's the owners who get 81 home games, right. Yeah. Is if we chop that number, not in half, far too drastic. However much they need to chop it by, can they make that up by, in, by attendance greatly increasing as opposed to where a lot of baseball stadiums don't see as much of a set. Right. Like the thing is 
the Boston Red Sox, will they ever agree to that, right? Who do great numbers, right? Where they sell out all the time. I think the answer is in this expanded playoffs. That's where the bread is buttered. You know what I mean? So expanding that, more TV rights for that, that's where they could make up that chunk. But it's very hard, right? Like if I'm... I know we say this all the time, but if I'm a businessman, if I'm an owner, why would I accept something that just obviously harms my bottom line? Think about in the NFL, right? How they've resisted the reduction of preseason games in the same reason, you know, just because of, uh, you know, just pissing away that potential and- revenue stream. But you mentioned the condensed schedule. Another yeah. thing that comes a part of that you have you have some info on are some of the other dates of the calendar, mm-hmm. right? Like in the NBA, we talked about, oh, this is when the combine is going to be, the draft, free agency. I've always wondered this in this short season, right? Uh, when would a trading deadline be? And are more teams going to try to be buyers or sellers? Because to your point, halfway through the season, especially if there winds up being an expanded playoffs, there are going to be very few teams out of it and willing to sell. But you have some info. What's up with the trading deadline? Yeah, so they're giving uh, us the trading deadline on August 31st. So about halfway. Which, yeah, I mean, right, so if we're starting on the 24th or the 23rd, whatever it might be, we're looking at maybe 35 games played, right? right. I mean, because they're looking to go almost every day, right? I hear teams. they're going 60 games in 66 days is my yeah. understanding, which is a sprint, you know, like the off days, and it's going to be the heat of the summer, but they're rested up, like max effort, let's go. Yeah. So I think we're we're looking at a situation, let's call it 35 games, because that's the number I keep sure. deciding on. 35 you games. Are the math major among us. Right. Which okay. is exactly what we what we're both known for. Me being the math guy and you <laughs> watching me be the math guy. Um, <laughs> I just 35 games in. How do you decide you're out? You right? Don't? Like you have to be so bad. Basically, it's a catch 22. If you're so bad that you're out after 35 games. You probably don't have players I need. Right. Or you have one. Right. (laughs) Maybe. And that's the thing. And here's the other thing. You know, now what's been in vogue, because we talk about this shortened season, I'm seeing everybody look at like weird stats through just 60 games, right? To see that, yeah, someone could put pitch to a sub one ERA or hit 431 or something like that. The other thing we're seeing, right? A lot of people are bringing up the standings from through 60 games last year. And one thing I know for damn sure is that the the World Series champions would not have qualified for the playoffs after after 60 games. The Nationals got out the gates real slow. And we have talked about this Kev, whether it's teams with a lot of young studs that can get out hot, a la the Chicago White Sox, if it's teams that just have pure talent that could rise and hit the ground running. And I talk about the Angels with both MVPs, Rendon and Trout, and injury support, and maybe in a max effort short stint, a guy like Albert Pujols getting through. It is going to be very interesting. This is not a normal season, but you mentioned also like the standings of last year. What are some of the crazy things that if a previous season was 60 games, we would have seen. I believe the Twins had the best record in baseball after 60 games last year. In the American League, the Twins uh, were tied with the Astros for the best record. They were a game off of the Dodgers. Yankees were still sitting atop of the East. Uh, You had the Texas Rangers uh, occupying one of those wild card spots. Um, You go over, again, the biggest thing is the World Series champions were sat in fourth place. In the National League, fourth place in the National League East, which is just crazy to think about. Like their season completely over. The yeah. Cardinals, who won the Central, were in third place wow. uh, through 60 games last year. And again, it's a, it's kind of an obvious thing, but it's something I've seen a lot of people talking about. Dane is so the Dodgers had the best record through 60 of 41 and 19 by every. Okay. You know, simulation, right? You've we've seen they're the best team in baseball. A lot of people be, feel like the rest of the NL West doesn't bring a lot to the table, right. and the Dodgers are now going to see them forty times, right? I mean, it's going to make up a, a vast majority of their schedule. Yes, yeah, we'll and have the, some AL West and have to deal with the Astros and sure. my Angels and stuff. But you're right. the The idea that the Dodgers, like. And again, so we noticed, right, they took those win totals down. Yeah. And it's going to be interesting to see what they want to do. I expect the FanDuel Sportsbook in a month's time to have uh, given us some type of win totals, 
That's my expectation. You think so? Because I don't know. Remember, with that note, it's got to be more than 75 games. Are they worried about the variance? Does that create a liability for the book that they don't want to mess with? I think they're – of course they're worried about it, but I, I think we're looking at a situation where they have to ask themselves, like, you know, is everybody that's going to be betting on this understanding something that we ourselves are struggling to understand, right? And they'll just continue to adjust their numbers accordingly to give themselves, you know, an edge. And that's what they should be doing. I, I think, I just think that's a lot of, I would expect the idea of that would be too much money left on the table. I think people would be excited. I think people are always excited about win totals. I mean, there's a reason why they put those win totals up that entire time. Yeah. And generate action. Like a part of, you know, everyone was saying like, oh, these are not gonna last the way that we think. The idea that the Dodgers could go out there I mean, like 50 and 10. I know it sounds crazy, but like if a really good team starts out really hot, it might get real like all time single season winning percentage. Right. And then when we talk about percentages, that's why I look at batting average and ERA as well, especially for these teams. You know, the Yankees are plus 175 right now to win the American League. Then there's the Astros there at four to one, then a big jump. Okay, and the Twins are, you know, plus 750. In the NL, they got the Dodgers at a similar level to the Yankees at plus 160, then a big old jump to 701 with the Braves as the second choice. And I think that NL East is very interesting because, you know, reasonable people, Gesundheit, Kevin, reasonable people can disagree, right? I've seen some people who I respect think the Braves are the class of that division. Some people think the Phillies can make a step forward. Some people like the Mets. Some people think that the defending champions are primed and ready. There are four legit contenders, and it's going to take someone getting off to a hot start to pull away in that division. We will talk about the variance as a topic here from now until they officially play ball in Major League Baseball, but they weren't the only sport to formally come to agreement yesterday. We turn our attention to the round ball and when they're going to tip off when we come back. It's the early line giving you the edge right here on SportsGrid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line here on Sports Grid. Kevin and I looking at now the Major League Baseball agreement, what we think it means, and kind of, you know, still other ripple effects like the trading deadline. What will standings look like, especially if there is um, an expansion to the playoffs, which we believe is still kind of on the table, and it would be a smart move because that's where they're going to make their money back. But as I said, Kev, Baseball is not the only sport that officially has an agreement and in my eyes with confidence formally took a step. The players and you were right. You know, this was kind of a rubber stamp. We knew it was going to get kind of passed through. But the players have formally agreed to all of the details of the NBA plan in terms of dates, the returning, the hotels, the isolation, all that stuff. And so, Kev, it looks like around the similar time frame as baseball, right? We are now declaring this week is the transaction window for um, players that are opting out. You know, we we heard of a couple. We've been talking about them over the last, uh, you know, couple of days. And then teams will be able to kind of refill their rosters, whether it's G League guys, aging veterans that are on the street. Um, but I'll ask the same question I did with baseball. We finally have a formal agreement. What's your knee-jerk reaction, Kev? Yeah, I guess I was like, eh, we were always agreed on. I don't know. I felt like that's where we were. I just didn't – I didn't – after the agreement that they had, it was they were going to obviously have to work out some kinks. I would still argue to you that there are going to still be some kinks that need to be worked out. I don't know if we've gotten official word on that coach situation. I don't know – you know what I mean? So I think there's right, like will D'Antoni be able to go? Because remember, I don't think they've they've they probably haven't turned over the medical records yet, right? Right. And then it's a process to go through them. And I'm and I'm sure you know. Look, they're also just they're going to have to go through a lot of testing. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Like they're they're obviously. What's what's funny is when you have the bubble concept. Mm-hmm. That's not it's not funny at all. Um, you have to be a lot more rigorous in your testing. 
because it's not just oh okay turn back home you want right. that person to get the in league. the bubble but they can't get in the bubble so that's why you know there's still a lot that has to happen in terms of the NBA but yes the idea that they're going to all be going to Orlando is one that you know I've been pretty positive of for what feels like a while and <laughs> oddly enough the way things went with the Kyrie Irving situation because the reporting of that was vet, was met very quickly with the reporting of the disaster that would then be the CBA, right? right. How it would get blown up was when I was like, oh, okay, it's, we're they're definitely going to play. There's there's far too much money at risk for there not to be a close to this NBA season. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I would say though, just play devil's advocate as we continue to do on our baseball, basketball kind of um, seesaw, right? For some reason, the idea of the protests, though, I think is a much bigger deal in the NBA than in any other sport. The players in the NBA seem to have this issue of not wanting to distract from some of the societal evolution. And I haven't heard that at all in baseball or in these other sports, right, as just a potential element that is causing concern for any of the players. So you put it all in a pot and we've talked about it, right? So many valid issues from money to society, to health, to even different reasons about money, right? Or rehabbing an injury, an impending max contract, so many things. And then another thing you mentioned, Kev, and I said it with baseball also, now that we have agreements, right? And pen to paper on that, you got to get the testing going on. And we've been hearing, oh, you know, a handful of Dallas Cowboys and Houston Texans. Oh, pockets of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, I mentioned in baseball, members of the Philadelphia Phillies, right? Mm. It's going to happen in basketball also, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like there are some players who are going to test positive and I'm going to say the same things. I don't know if it's the 10th man on the bench, a glue kind of legitimate guy or an all-star. I don't know if it's more disproportionate on, you know, a contending team or not, but when I was telling you about guys like Lou Williams and Trevor Ariza and Justice Winslow, you were like, listen, the big time players, especially on the big time contenders, are going to show up. And we have a player now, Kev, who I think ultimately will show up, but has tested positive and by any account is a big-time player on a legit contender team. Nikola Jokic, the center of the Denver Nuggets, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Kev, the all-NBA starting center, the, the number one center in the league, has tested positive for mm -hmm. coronavirus, okay? And obviously, we talked about this a little bit before. He seems to be asymptomatic so far. If you play out the 14-day quarantine, right, he would still likely be able to get to Orlando, as you mentioned, in that kind of runway time. But... There's a lot of stuff we don't know about this virus, right? And yeah. also, it made me think, Kev, Nikolai Jokic was in Serbia, okay? Mm -hmm. There are a number of NBA players from Europe and from other countries that may have to come on in. We talked about this a little bit with the NHL, right? Mm -hmm. And their preponderance of Eastern European players in the NHL. Um what about, like, the European players coming in? Is this going to be, like, a different strain of the virus or another kind of weird kind of factor here? Um, but on its face, Nikolai Jokic, positive for coronavirus, and, you know, he's got to be one of those players that move the needle. He does. Now, the thing is, this report also came with the idea that he's expected to be clear to travel to Denver Within a week. In a week. Ace. So maybe he's in the middle of his 14 days, right? So the thing is, and again, I, this is why I guess I put to you that the COVID testing process is one I'm more confident not messing up the NBA than baseball. Okay. Is there's a lot, it just seems like there's a lot more checkpoints that basketball's offering. Like Jokic coming overseas meant he had to be tested. Right. Gets tested, you're positive. 14 day quarantine. Then you can come. They're halfway done. When he shows up in Denver, tests, what have yeah. you? Yeah. When he shows up in Denver, the expectation is it's in the rear view, rear view mirror. Now, I totally would tell you that if anybody of Jokic's level, whether it's all NBA first team, second team, sure. whatever it might be, anybody of Jokic's level is going to miss time. It's a massive deal. 
Okay, it's the type of stuff that will have people. It changes saying, competitive balance. Is it an asterisk? Like it will. It is the type of stuff right. that will lead to those conversations. One hundred percent. I had this thought though, and again, I might be off base here, but he was asymptomatic, right? Yeah, as far as we know. From, oh, I mean, unless they were lying to us. No, no, no. As far as we know so far, I mean, oh. I guess. No, I'm saying what I'm saying is it is possible for people to start asymptomatic and then start to express symptoms days see, later. Okay. You know, like okay. so far he's asymptomatic. Yes. Right. And I guess that I guess that then kind of goes to what I was uh, kind of about to ask you is like, is everybody that's going to test positive going to be asymptomatic? Because I would think that anybody that's feeling the symptoms isn't going to be on their way or would like they would be. I've got no effing no, I do know what you mean, but so much of this is like up in the air and unclear. You know what I mean? I, right. You're right. Like there, there's a, there's there's the idea that, hey, if you're showing signs, if you look like you got a little fluish, right, then you're not you're not traveling anyway. But again, Kevin, that's what we do in America. That's not what they do in Eastern Europe. You know, we've seen this before. Like Nikolai, jo uh, not excuse me, Novak Djokovic, the number one tennis player in the world. They were having their own like benefit tournament and concert. You know, and I. That's why I wonder. You're right about America. Well, even though that's kind of changing here, but there's going to be an influx of international talent coming in, and we don't know how those countries, what those regulations were. I, I've got no clue, Kev. Right. I, I think, I guess my point is, is, is more so if, and again, like it's un, this unfortunate thing where, our, you know, we're not, we don't want to play doctor, but we're trying to understand everything right. as much as we can. Absolutely. But if a player is asymptomatic and it just means that they have to do a 14 day quarantine, get two negative tests and they're fine. And it's in the rear view mirror and like, Oh, it's cool. You also have antibodies. Like this is a great thing. Maybe right. some would even, some would even put forward. I would just have to think that anybody that would experience a day's worth of coughing makes a phone call, right? Like you I think can't, so. Now, now think maybe so? somebody tries to sneak it by, or like that, which that would just be so crazy to me, right? Because then you put the whole team at risk. Yeah, it just like you know what I mean. Like they'd never even let you in the building, type of thing. I just I, and I guess the reason I ask it, and this would be sports wide, right? Yeah. How dangerous is the asymptomatic nature of this virus? Now, it's not a fair question to ask you to answer. I don't know the answer. And I'm not sure anybody knows the answer. I think it's very dangerous because that's the problem, right? You could be asymptomatic and still spread it to others, mm -hmm. right? And then there's no guarantee that they would become asymptomatic with, like, I could be asymptomatic and mm -hmm. get it to you, and you could be on a ventilator with the same bug, you know uh -huh. what I mean? Because your body is different than mine. And so I, I think that is a big time risk, Kev, you know? Um, and that's the problem, and then that's the problem with staff coming in and out of the bubble. You know, I, I, it is interesting. One player we do know um, is still kind of on the fence. We got conflicting reports yesterday about mm -hmm. Boogie Cousins. There were reports that he's gonna opt out because he's still rehabbing. Then later in the day, there was a report to kind of conflict that, saying he still doesn't know. I bet he's just like, well, it depends on what team picks up the phone and calls me, huh, Kev? So I gotta say, for the reports to come out that he's done, and then the conflicting reports to come from Lakers reporters, mm -hmm. there's that one team. That's where the calls are coming from. Yeah. There's there's one team. It's a team he sat on the bench for even right. after they waived him. If the, if DeMarcus Cousins is coming back to it's play, in in it's a hundred percent is in purple and gold. It's the only way this plays out. I would tell you though that there are other teams that should take a look. It'd be worth yeah. it. And I would tell you that DeMarcus Cousins, I believe... The Nuggets is, need to take a look if Jokic is positive. Right. I would tell you that DeMarcus Cousins is the only player that could be signed in this window that might move title odds okay. in, in a direction, in, a, in okay. a, what would be a, a plus direction. No, I hear you. So you don't buy into the, the Corey Brewers and the uh, Iman Shumperts of the world that are out there? Yeah, I don't think, um, you know, the Clippers landing Joachim Noah saw an influx of Clippers money hitting the books ways. I think I Jamal Cousins that Jamal Crawford 
Because he, let's say Lou Williams doesn't show up, sure. and he's 50-50. I do think Jamal Crawford plays the same exact role then for the Clippers and helps mitigate the loss. You know what I mean? But I got you. Cousins has that experience of being an all-star, being all NBA. We keep the conversation going, trying to read the tea leaves when we come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line, giving you the edge on SportsGrid. Kevin and I now looking at the NBA and kind of, you know, Kev, ever since this pandemic hit, it's been really hard to have some of these conversations because it's a personal decision, right? Like a lot of these things, especially with the pandemic as this cloud hanging over us, you and I talk about it from the epicenter. Like, are you riding the subway or not? We've seen polls, right? Are you gonna shake hands with your friends? Are you gonna send your kid back to school? And there's such a wide range of responses based on people's individual risk tolerance, liability, need to make money given who they are. You know, it's so hard. We talked about it in the NBA. There's like the old the depot reason for fear of potential pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. There was also, we talked about the Trevor Ariza reason in, um, you know, in a previous show, he knew, he wanted to stay with his family, uh, was working through kind of an arrangement and wanted to stay with his son. Now we have another one in that vein, Lakers guard Avery Bradley is not going to go to the bubble. Okay. Also for family reasons, he's got a, a young, a young child who, um, could be compromised, doesn't want them going to the bubble, could be a bigger risk. And, you know, I don't fault the man, you know? Um, my question is similar to how we said Jokic is a player that moves the needle. This is Avery Bradley of the, uh, you know, championship favorite Los Angeles Lakers. Does this move the needle? Yeah, it, it, it does because this is the first of the players that are opting out, right? This is the first player where you would say, oh, that got a chance to win a title. Like yeah. we talk about Davis Bertans and Trevor Ariza, they're on teams that they're fight like they're plus money to make the playoffs right. to make the playoffs. Like that's the best way that you can put it. Sure. One thing I will say now, maybe it's just because how I'm curating my timeline, but I felt like I saw overwhelming support of Avery Bradley and his decision, which I think is a great thing what because are you gonna do? how are you going to throw shade on it? You know, I, I agree, but also like the expectations for the world. And again, maybe I just, you know, you don't dive deep enough into, into those situations here. Now he made this decision again, according um, from Woj with having three kids. One of them has a history of respiratory illnesses and he didn't believe that he would be approved to go into the bubble. So I think that that kind of says something right about that. For Avery Bradley, he didn't want to be away from his family. The right. expectation is the Lakers are going to be in that bubble a long time. Yeah. And also, he mentioned not wanting to go, potentially pick something up. For the Lakers, this is early October, potentially, right? The entire month of July, August, and September into early October, yep. if the Lakers go as far as many people believe they will. Yeah. What, and, and that's the, so that's why you, you, know, you see Avery Bradley then make this decision. How much this impacts the Lakers, it is tough to say. Uh, does It's not insignificant. Avery Bradley was good for them this season. Yeah. Um, and, you know, defensively is where, you know, he was probably playing his best defensive basketball, maybe his best basketball, period, since he left Boston, where, you know, he was viewed as one of the best perimeter defenders yeah. in the NBA. I would offer to you that, the guard rotation that the Lakers have sets them up in a unique way to deal with this. Right. Alex Caruso, who is this like social media superstar, but is actually like quietly pretty valuable for this team. On off rating, the best for the Lakers is LeBron. Caruso is second. Like he's been good for them. People were tweeting out that Caruso's only shared the court 80% of the time in his minutes with Avery Bradley, or 20% of the time. So He's used to not playing without Avery Bradley, kind of stepping up and replacing him. Contavious Caldwell-Pope has had a nice season, and you know Danny Green's going to be a part of that mix. One name, before we talk about the name that there's talks about coming in, is Dion Waiters. Ooh! Probably Just one of the first— Just don't give him any cookies. 
Yeah, probably. Probably one of the forgotten moves of, um, man, I think as you said that, we were four minutes and 20 seconds into this segment here. <laughs> um, I also remember, I went to Syracuse, okay? So I have a long experience with Dion Waiters, trust me. So the thing with Dion, probably one of the forgotten moves of the season, on March 6th, like a week, maybe less than before lockdown, cleared waivers and signed with the L.A. Lakers. Oh, wow. So Dion Waiters has not played a game for this team. But Deion Waiters is a part of this roster. So that's like a guard. That's an added guard that wasn't there. So that almost is an immediate replacement that they have on the roster. Different kind of players, for sure. sure but <laughs> it's just in terms of having having bodies in that One's guard rotation. The other doesn't. But yeah, sure. <laughs> but Deion Waiters, I just thought it was, it was kind of a reminder. Like, oh, yeah, Deion Waiters is on this team. You know, and here's what I'm going to say, right? And we, we we keep looking, and everyone's looking. I think it's a natural tendency for, like, what stars may not show up or test positive. Like, and we focus on Jokic, for example. But, you know, one of the things you just mentioned, you know, kind of with that other guard you talked about is quietly very valuable for that team. Every championship contender has someone that is quietly very valuable for them and is not going to be the name we think about and is going to be a name where if they test positive, the conventional wisdom reaction will be like, eh, it's okay. Like, you know, if Fred Van Fleet tests positive for the Rafters, you know, last year they ain't winning a championship without that man. You know what I mean? And there's guys like that on the Bucks, on the Clippers, on the Celtics, on the Lakers, on the Rockets. You know, if P.J. Tucker goes down for the Rockets, they're screwed. Who the hell is going to grab a rebound for them? You know what I mean? So your point is well taken that how much does it compromise or have the asterisk unless it's one of these top teams and the legacy kind of argument that you've made before that I do buy, but competitive balance will be warped on some level. And like to, to, to not think so, whether it's a glue guy, whether it's your third leading scorer, whether it's a, a key defensive kind of fill-in, whether it's a three and D guy, or if it's a superstar like Jokic, um, it's going to be interesting to see. And we just don't know how the chips are going to fall, Kev. Yeah, I think it's fair to say, like, I, I've, I've heard a lot of people kind of talk about when it comes to, like, betting games, right? Mm -hmm. Is when the seventh man on a team is absent, but you follow the team close enough to know it matters, but yeah. the betting markets can't overreact to it. And that's then where you find yourself a single game advantage. Um, I would say it's pretty interesting over at the FanDuel Sportsbook. Um, the Lakers were plus 270. Uh, mm. They are now plus 260. I don't know uh, if, you know, somebody is they like Dion about Waiters, more Dion Waiters like minutes. Dion Waiters. But also, and again, you know, we could kind of talk about who is now emerged as the leading candidate to replace Avery Bradley. Yes, yeah, sure. A one J.R. Smith. That's interesting to me. Um I direct your attention back to like, you know, the finals game when they were both on Cleveland and, you know, J.R. Smith with his brain fart, you know, forgot about like how much time there was left or to shoot a two or to shoot a three. And LeBron was not pleased with that. And he becomes maybe a liability to do something again in a high leverage situation. And the man just needs to put his shirt on. I saw him at protests without his shirt on. Was he really, though? Is that like for so. real? I That's think amazing. So. Um, listen, yeah, I'd, I'd love to not talk about him not knowing the score, ruined maybe the single greatest game of uh, LeBron's career, and I'll never forgive him for it. I'll say, though, about JR, I think we're, I, th I think it's an interesting situation. One of the, um, you know, kind of funnier videos I think we saw during uh, quarantine was him riding bikes in LA with LeBron and Anthony Davis. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, later that day is where he had that altercation with the kid who yes. broke up his car window. Um, but that was on that day. Um, so I, my expectation is that JR has been around this Lakers team. Mm. That's my expectation. So I think we're, it's a situation where his time to mesh with the group will be quicker than some other signings that are going to be made during this time frame.
Yeah, I mean, that is very possible. The transaction window is open. Like I said, you know, we're in this period now where we have to see how the chips fall, right? Not only with the players exercising their right and potential to not show up, but also then once testing starts happening, you know, it would be naive to think that just like we're here, we're seeing pockets in the NFL, just like we're seeing pockets when players get tested in Major League Baseball, just like we're seeing spikes in cases across this country, that base, uh, basketball players would not be immune to that. I also, you know, because we talk about Jokic, who's in Serbia, testing positive, right? Also, listen, the number one tennis player in the world, Novak Djokovic, also mm -hmm. tested positive for COVID. And this is interesting to me, Kev, because, listen, in Serbia, they were putting on like a benefit tournament, right? They were trying to bring sports back and have it, uh, you know, kind of be a happy thing for normalcy and the, the spirit of the country in COVID. And listen, there were all there's also videotape of them out at the club dancing with their shirts off, you know, kind of no social distancing really going on. Very few masks to be seen in that kind of tournament, in that arena. They were sitting, packing them in. And, you know, Novak is the number one player in the world. But Kev, four players from that tournament tested positive, three of which are in like the top 35 in the men's rankings. And it also brings to me, the point I mentioned on Jokic, different co countries are treating this in different ways, right? So are we gonna be a little bit more concerned with some of our European uh, athletes coming over? The reverse is true. Some of the countries in Europe are worried about having Americans go there because we haven't flattened the curve. I do think the international nature, first of tennis, but then, you know, of international athletes traveling everywhere is another interesting wrench to throw into this all. Yeah, right. Like not everybody. I mean, I think you can kind of just even look to here in the States for an example. Right, state of how, by state. Yeah, state by state, the way it's being treated varies. So and I, we have I no think, control over other countries. Right. So, I, I, yeah, I think it's a good point. But I think that's why the tests will be had before they can even cross over. So I would tell you that, and now, you know, yes, you have the, you know, false negative. There's all these, you know, dangers that can come with this stuff. And that's, again, why this disease is a dangerous one. Um, but so what about not in terms of the NBA, right? But in terms of tennis or in terms of golf, where you have international talent and athletes traveling around the globe. Okay, like tennis events are literally in different countries every week. Okay, golfers are coming on in from everywhere. You know, the U.S. Open is set to happen here in August in New York City. You're going to have athletes from all over the globe potentially coming in. Does the international nature of these sports make it even more complex? Yeah, probably. I, I mean, and it's up then to each individual to do their part and potentially this situation um with you know with Jokovic or uh, and 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 whatnot will kind of you know give people the idea like we got to take this a bit more serious yeah you know an hour or two we're going to talk to our guy Cam Stewart about golf you know the up up in the fall is the Riders Cup the President's Cup right international events so obviously we continue to have questions when we come back we move on to our number two Gesundheit again Kevin do something over the break brother man blow your nose <laughs> we'll be back SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.